Thank you, Jocelyn. Uh, for those those of you who are wondering, Kenny, can you raise your hand for us? Kenny, Kenny Cook, Kenny Cook. Okay, that's Kenny Cook next to his wife Jenna. Uh, I promise you, for those who are new, we don't always let Kenny lead icebreakers, and so please don't be afraid to come to uh, any harvest gatherings that we have. You won't always be eating uh, bananas that have been passed around with uh, our feet. Okay, I promise you that. Um, having said that, uh, you know. Again, for those who maybe came a little bit late, you know, our Pastor Dio is on sabbatical for about the next two months, and we have um, just, just a summer of uh, just different guest speakers that we'll have. And I would say when I saw the final list, you guys, I was the most excited for today's guest speaker. And today's guest speaker is no guest at all, uh, but, uh, you know, Reverend Inky Kim is a senior pastor of K- KPCO is our church, and kind of under that broad umbrella, uh, Vision, which is our congregation that worships in Korean, uh, is there alongside Harvest, which is us. You know, we worship in English here. And so kind of those two congregations are under one umbrella, KPCO, of which uh, Pastor Inky is the senior pastor. And so uh, just a, some little things that you guys may not know. Uh, you guys, I learned this today. After, you know, Pastor Inky's been here for 20 years at our church. I learned this today. His name is also John Inky Kim. I didn't know that until today, you guys. I just learned that Pastor Inky is one of many, many John Kims that are out there within the Korean-American world, right? He is one of the many there, okay? For those of you guys who didn't know, um, Pastor Inky met Samonim, which is Pastor's wife, his wife, okay? I think he met her, if I'm not mistaken, I heard this a long time ago, in yodeling club, you guys, okay? So there was just something about the way Mrs. Kim yodeled, okay, that caught his eye and said, I'm going to marry her and 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 you know long story short she is uh, his partner in life um pastor pastor kim wasn't always a pastor he did you know various jobs from uh postman this is why he doesn't like dogs he said because he was a postman and i guess he had to run a lot from dogs that were out in the yard and so he doesn't like dogs because of that uh but he did uh several other things as well but uh if i remember long story short again people would always tell him hey you should do ministry and, and long story short, this is him. And uh, if I can say just on a, on a deeper level, um, you guys, he, you know, much of who we are at Harvest, whether you realize it or not, much of who we are is in large part because of him, because of his prayers, because of his leadership and uh, just his desire for us to be blessed as an English-speaking ministry. And so um, I, I can't tell you enough uh, just how, just knowing him over the years of how much he's always just invested into Harvest, even before it was Harvest. And so it's with great privilege uh, that we get to welcome uh, Pastor John Inky Kim. Uh, let's uh, give him a hand as he comes and shares God for you with us. Ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, good morning first. Uh, those two persons speak English like uh, American, but you're going to suffer my English now. Huh? So if you don't understand what I'm saying, ask the next person. <laughs> if the next person don't know anything, forget it. <laughs> um, for those of you, uh, you don't know me, my name is John Inky Kim, Senior Pastor of KPCO. I met uh, D.L., he was a single a seminarian, and when I see him, he was a really excellent man, but he didn't know anything yet. So, 
I just grabbed him, and uh, we've been praying and served church together. And uh, he, um, youth group, Jeondo, uh, then uh, pastor, and here we go. It's a harvest right here. It's unbelievable. I mean, you just happen to be this Sunday, this morning, you are here, maybe because of your parents or whatever reason, but it's not the reason. God choose you individually, pick it up, and put it in there. Amen? Just one person, amen. <laughs> I'm so sad. But my sadness has become a joyful, I think, will be. So usually in Korean culture, it's a traditional to speak to adults formally. Moksanim, or reverend, and whatever. But you, uh, you would expect me to be upset when kids call me Pinky. But for some reason, I feel really honored when the kiddo come to me and call me Pinky because pastor, Inky together. So these children really know me. We are, I'm a childish man. Forget it. Okay. <laughs> um, when I came down uh, Orlando from Philadelphia 20 years ago, Harvest wasn't here. But there were only few youth students, only few kingdom keepers. But look at you now. And uh, I want to give a hand to God, His grace and mercy. I never expected that I would preaching at Harvest because we have a Pastor D.L., but when D.L. asked me to step in during his sabbatical, I felt a bit nervous. I'm still headache, but also I'm so excited because all of you here are proof and result of God's grace. The fact that the Korean-speaking congregation and English-speaking congregation coexisted together as one roof is a living proof of the power of gospel. The power that transcends race, language, culture. So I have some question for you. Do you know why we have we we must eat three meals a day? Be quiet. <laughs> Do you know why we must meet at least once a week to maintain meaningful relationship with the someone? Do you know why we must worship God at least once a week to maintain, not great, maintain our faith? The answer is because God made us that way. We all forget those things. We're living in a time and cutting-edge technology and abundance of resources, but it is also time that mankind is the most greed, lazy in human history. As we glance at the overflowing, full of clothes and closet, we complain that we have nothing to wear. We go to a buffet restaurant with plenty of food, and what we say, there is nothing to eat. Out in the mission field, I met countless amount of people who would do anything to come to America. Every day on the news, we hear about the people from Venezuela, Mexico, Middle East, many other countries. 
wanting to come to the land of opportunity. However, we live comfortably, not wanting to deal with the minor hardship that come our way, although many envious, we find that we ourselves are not completely satisfied. Even though we possess so much and have more greed, and this greed is destroying our relationship. We live in the land of prosperity, but we see that more people are lonely, filled with self-pity, and complaining about whatever situation they are may be. Why is that so? This is a picture of life without real knowing God. The world has refused knowing God and pushing Him away. I don't know if you know this kind of word, but the humanist manifesto that came out in 1933 described concept that are the extreme opposite of the way God made you and me. Let me read only three concepts of that. Religious humanists regard the universe as a self-existing and not created. Humanism believes that man is a part of a nature and that has emerged as a result of a continuous process, like a chance. It's all lie. Holding an organic view of life, humanists find that the traditional dualism of a mind and body must be rejected. Do you know that these philosophical concepts are the foundation of public education? If you went to school in America since 1933, whether you like or not, whether you know or not, you have all been educated with this underlying concept. What is the result of this? In recent times, students are exposed to all kinds of sin more than I could ever imagine seeing in the school. Yesterday, I talked to one student about how more and more students and teachers are openly gay and how society continues to accept them, even Christian. We see mass shootings and innocent lives are being lost more and more in America. It became Natural news then. Oh, happening again. But this is a result of godless value. So today I'd like to, for us to think about two biblical principles. If you put biblical principle in simple terms, it is an equivalent of the aligning our thoughts, action, behavior, and the relationship with God's intentions for Christian lives. It doesn't mean interpreting God's word to match what I want to mean. So first and most basic principle is applicable, not applicable. <laughs> Have any proofreading for me? I couldn't pronounce applicable. No, Moksanim, applicable. I mean, I practice all night, applicable, applicable, applicable. Anyway, so applicable to us individually and personally. Do you know what it is? Loving God and loving our neighbor. 
Oh, we knew that. We all pursue happiness and we work hard to be happy. But the truth is, if you live the way God intended or created for you to live, happiness is a gift, not something you earn. You see that people that don't live the way God intended, even when we try our best and life led without God, result in with discouragement, devastation, and pain. I see every single day. God tells us to love him and love others so that we can be free from the chains of this world and be joyful. Matthew 22, 37. Let's read it together. He was a slow first worship, a second worship. That's good. Ready? Go. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like, Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophet hang on these two commandments. Half of you are not even reading. Because you already knew or you're tired, you are lazy. But anyway, that's your life. You have to correct yourself, not me. Since we cannot see God with our physical eyes, I have met many who falsely believe that they think they love God. So how can you know that you truly love God, and how can you sense that you are truly living the life God intended for you? When you love your neighbor, you can truly sense that you love God. So question is, who are our neighbors? Are they my friend? People who ask you for help? People who look like they need help? We need to understand what Jesus defined as our neighbors. Not you. Jesus defined. Jesus told us that neighbor is someone who doesn't even know what they need. Someone who comes to realize that they need help and needed to change their life. All because of and through our love for them. After Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan, he asked, which of these three, priest, Levite, Samaritan, who saved a sick people, person, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of a robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. You know, Tell your next neighbor, tell, I have mercy on you. You know, this vision, church, if you not repeat after me, I'm going to do repeat and repeat again and again until all you're doing it. So next person, I have mercy on you. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why I practice all this in the church. This is a key. So the one who had mercy on him That's your neighbor. So Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's do it. Go and do likewise. That's a key. Go and do 
likewise, like a Samaritan guy. There's person who almost died. He don't know who helped him even. But he the one. Samaritan person know he need help. Then you will sense, if you go and do likewise, then you will sense, oh, I love God and I love my neighbor. You know, when you're singing uh, those words, wow, that's two big words. You know, that conquer, what was it, grave? Did you see that conquer grave, what it is? See, no idea. <laughs> I don't know people singing big words. Then I feel like I'm, I know that big word. But actually, asking that experience of a life testimony, have none. So I, I really have a trouble with those kind of things. As a Christian, since I was a little, I always struggled with the fact that Christian knew all good words, Bible verses, everything. But they did not live according to what they knew. Even what, what, people don't know what it is. Many understood the teaching of Christ intellectually, but had never experienced or never sensed the power of Christ's teaching, the principle of his kingdom, because people never practice in context of a relationship. Jesus tells us to love our enemy. Hello? Do you remember that in, in Bible somewhere? Jesus tells us to love our enemy, right? <laughs> Instead of practicing how to love our enemy, we run from them anytime we see enemy. That's what church did. This is applicable, no, applicable to the church as well. You know, at Vision Church over there, across the parking lot, I find that some people dislike that each other. You know, I find that people dislike each other. In other words, enemy. Then put them in the same house church a minimum 10 years. <laughs> so, they, so that they would actually experience what is love your neighbor. Church is not only theology and preaching. Oh, dear Moksanim, you know, he preaches so beautifully. So what? <laughs> you know, church is a holy place of a practice of truth. So look around you now. Look around. Come on, look around. And find one person you don't like. Or if you look around and you don't know their names, who is that guy? I don't know his name. Then invite them to today's lunch. So I'm going to watch you. <laughs> who you are lunching with. This is why we incorporate house church in our ministry. House church is not a DL's ministry style. It's not a John Kim's ministry style. This is a Jesus design church. So we need a place to practice the teaching of Jesus. We no longer decide who our neighbors ourselves. But accept the man who fell into the hands of a robber. That is our neighbor. Put this as a one word person who does not know Christ yet. When we started practicing this, 
we began to see how weak, how selfish we are, how egocentric, how arrogant we are, how judgmental we are. Oh, I don't like this. Oh, I don't like that. That's a neighbor. My neighbor, Jesus defined. So we had to pray because I'm so self-entry, arrogant. You know, I realized that because that relationship. So we had to pray, God, help me, mercy on me. Started to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? This situation, this relationship. And slowly we experience of a transformation in our lives, our attitude, our perspective. That's what's happening in Vision Church right now. We have so many people who experience this, so they always testify. They talk about it and their transformation. This is why we need an intentionally practice that is mean to love God and to love our neighbor. Okay, tell you the next person. I'll show you something later. Uh. You know, there's something means, you know, I'm going to show you how to love your enemy. That's what I'm saying. Okay, and um, God gave us the church and then house church to practice this. Surrounding yourself with the people that you like and avoiding those that you don't like. That kind of thing is a natural, simple behavior of any natural human being, not Christian. In Vision Church, we call these kind of people bystanders. They're just a spectator. Look at it, other people, but don't do nothing about themselves. So I'm a professionally pick those people to train them. The church is a place where we become a brothers and sisters through Christ. And differences, overcome differences. We are united as one and experienced as an everlasting God's family. Maybe you don't like each other here, but you're going to see in the heaven. Do you believe in Jesus? Only five people. <laughs> okay, I've got to talk to uh, David. Uh, forget the sabbatical, I have to come back. <laughs> I think he's seeing these things. All right, that's good, that's good. So, church is not just a place to visit. It is not a place of judgment, not a place of counting heads, how many people. Oh, we have a lot of people, you know. And they come together, but, you know, evaluating Sunday school curriculum. No, it's not a church. Church is a place where people are different personality, different attitude, come together and struggle together. Struggle. To, we need to struggle as we try to practice Christ's cheating in our lives and relationship because that is a principle of kingdom of God. We have to experience that, not superficial word, and it is a place where we learn how serving this, how sacrifices, and what sacrifices, and experience the power of the Holy Spirit as we intentionally serve and love among the different people. This is why we need to always keep Matthew chapter 22. Love God, love your neighbor. Is that really I'm doing it? Who is my neighbor? You're always defining your relationship that way? In our hearts, constant check if our life reflects this verse, loving God 
and loving our neighbor. I'm sick and tired in the church people knowing this word but doing nothing. Vision Church has been practicing this for long 20 years. That now the majority of our church naturally seek out non-believer wherever they go. And we meet people who don't know Jesus, who don't know Christ, but because of Jesus, we invite them into my home and shower them with our love. In the past 20 years, we have witnessed more than 300 who have accepted Christ as their Savior and become disciples of Christ. There's no excitement here. So I'm so sad. I pray that Lord's blessing be upon you and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. Not singing, not just talking, but your personal experience of the power of the Holy Spirit as you accept those who are different into your life and share the love of Christ with them so you can experience the love of God as the love of your neighbor. Second principle is applicable to the church. Repeat after me. Making disciples. Making disciples. I don't want that. Making disciples. How we do it? Going, baptizing, teaching. Chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, 19. Therefore, go and make a disciple of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I means Jesus, you means disciples. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What does that mean? You know, usually we are here, the big word, we just passing by. What does that mean? It means that we need to make sure that we are making disciples through the relationship in all aspects of our lives. At work, at school, wherever you may be. The reason we have three important places of experience God, which is house church. You have to experience God's mercy and grace. In house church, you gather together, eating together, taste the good, taste the bad. You know, that, that is not a house church. House church is you experience God's grace. Number two, worship in spirit and in truth. You have to decide your life. And Bible study, you can apply to your daily life. It is for us to learn and practice making disciples and sharing gospel with someone who does not know Christ. You know, usually just vision church, I give up paper and write it down name. You just, right now, is a non-believer, but you right now serving. If you don't have those names, you know, we have to pray. God, lead us to meet those people. The today church, which we normally experience, church normally experience is very different from church that Jesus initially designed. You think I experience that church is a true church? That's a nonsense. Jesus designed the church to be a place where non-believers come to know Jesus as a Savior. 
But these days, most churches are waiting for people who already knew Jesus to come. This is why we make a point of invitation non-believers to our house church and serve them with love and encouragement. When Jesus first introduced the word church, ecclesia, in Matthew 16, 18, he said, and I tell you that I means Jesus, tell you means Peter, that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. What kind of church? And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Is that my experience? Jesus built a church on Peter's faith and said that the gates of Hades will not overcome it. In other words, it means that the church is a place of making disciples by being born again through Jesus Christ as their Lord. Each of our individual lives and the house church must be one commission to bring those who don't know Christ today. Our lives need to be in serving, and we must stand witness to the gospel working through our house church to reach those who do not know Christ. And that is the church that Jesus designed. The church building, pastors, elders, deacons, offering, oh, we have to offering good. You know, house churches, missions, Bible studies, all these exist for the sole purpose of the bringing those who do not know Christ to become disciples of him. When you hear this kind of word, how do you feel about it? Oh, Pastor Kim is a good word, but I don't know about that. And if our church is which designed by Jesus, do you know what should the church be doing? That's a verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Those are four things. We always repeat over and over doing it. Devote themselves to apostle teaching. It means they study and practice the teachings, not just the hearing, practice. If you have learned the teaching of Christ, shouldn't you live it? They also devote themselves to fellowship. I think this one is we doing well. You know, you guys always are eating and whatever. They are told down, but true meaning is themselves to fellowship means they're told down the word hindering relationship. Didn't matter how much you had or how much you knew. No matter if you are Hebrew or Greek, that's a 2,000 years ago. That church, Hebrew and Greek together, called brother and sister. This is unbelievable. Men and women, women is sitting here. 2,000 years, you cannot sit with next to me, a man. Get out. <laughs> Believers united as one through Jesus Christ. Unbelievable thing. Devote themselves as breaking bread. What does that mean? Breaking bread means they worship together and remember why we are here. Blood of Jesus. Devote themselves to prayer. They pray. These days, church prayer is a program. I'll, I'll pray. I'll pray 30 minutes. You know, 
when you start praying, you start think about, oh God, thank you so much, you know, but you know, all of a sudden you think about uh, where you're going to go, lunchtime, and you know, always go around thinking, you know. There's no practice, that's why. They pray to build a relationship with God. They experience the power of God through prayer answered. Isn't it not our story? Amen. So if we are really doing and practicing these four things, you know, do you know what happened to our church inside and out? How people would recognize harvest? In verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. People were filled with awe because they saw the unexplainable power of the church. Proof that the gates of Hades, Hades could not overcome it was apparent because people confessed their sins and become a disciple of Christ. People outside of the church saw the harvest was holy and place where sin could not penetrate it and place where lives were transformed. And filled with awe. And verse 47, the favor of all the people. People outside also favor to the church. People praise and respect the church. You know, these days, people look at the church, they are mocking all the time. Because church lost power of God. Last week, I don't know if he's here or not, but um. Last week, one gentleman I met who had a visit at Harvest, he said he was really, 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 he talked a lot, really, really, really blessed because of your church, Harvest. He was joyful to have seen so many young adults and children in one place and growing in their faith. He even had tears as he spoke about how he was excited and was overwhelmingly blessed. I was so thankful. You know, my personally, me too. I am very much joyful in my ministry, in vision. Then I am also thankful that other pastors and ministries look up to us. They want to learn. This is a proof that all of you and living biblical lives, raising our church up, proof that we are making disciples of Christ at harvest. Amen? If you, even though you don't do it, say amen first. Then maybe you're going to do it. So in Vision Church, we have a brothers and sisters want to testify their change. I want to live like a shepherd, jong Kim. I want to experience the love of Christ through Elder Park. Name is there. Not just a superficial feel-good talking. Um, Pastor Kim, I decline high-paying job offer in other, ci- other city because I want to stay here and be part of our church where we are making Christ's disciples. Some people say, Pastor Kim, I have never been insulted like this in my life, but I am grateful because I have now experienced that Jesus experienced mocking persecution. When these saints spoke out their testimony, people are afraid. Whoa, what is that? That people also in awe. 
they see and feel something happening in our church that is unexplainable. I am so proud and humble to be a part of a KPCO. Then within a church, what happened? Verse 44, all the members were together and had everything in common. Repeat after me. Everything in common. Can you sleep on Saturday evening early, please? You know, if I vision church like that, I cannot stand it. But anyway, this is not my church, not my church so I'm going to go soon. <laughs> Another unique aspect of a church is that we hold everything in common. Not differences in common. Today we live in capitalistic society. Please note that I am not telling you to give all your position to the church. I'm not talking about that. But we must bring back the generosity and sacrifice and sharing that was a standard of New Testament church. Serving God and serving others have become common, norm of a church. And that is exactly what we have in our house church. She just testified to that. Our homes are a place of generosity, eating, sharing with people don't know Christ yet. This is a norm of a vision church, harvest, house churches. House churches are where we can share our pain and share our burdens. In the beginning, some people refuse our help, but we patiently continue to serve that person and love that person. If we meet somebody that doesn't know Christ, we intentionally choose that person and love them, embrace them faithfully. Usually, three years people are accept Christ. But a lot of people, seven years, even ten years in house of church, but still refusing to accept Christ. But those who shepherd keep serving those people. Strange enough, that person who receiving that generosity is not accept Christ yet, but who giving, that person is really changed. And verse 47, and the Lord added to their member daily those who were being saved. The reason and the purpose of why harvest exists in Orlando is the fact that God has sent us people who don't know Christ, and is continuously sending us many people who don't know Christ to be saved. To put it in the words of Jesus, let us always remember to check my life that the gates of Hades has not overcome our church and ourselves. Dear brothers and sisters, I'm almost done. Be happy. Today, we redrew, redrew, whatever you think a church is, but we redrew the picture of what Jesus designed. What is important is that we are in that picture. I am, my life, my testimony in that picture. Not just the looking, we are part of that picture. This is uh, important that we are practicing and living out with a difficult relationship by learning the word, praying, loving, serving, giving ourselves to Christ 
and neighbor. And you will see the people outside the church, if you do that, you know, outside the church people will be in awe. Wow. What kind of church is that? Perhaps be in fear. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't tell me I, I, have, to, I have to do it. I experience it every day. We go in church, institutional church, going every day, but don't know what the sacrifice means. They talk about Jesus' sacrifice, but, but nothing to do with their lives. So perhaps be in fear as the love of Christ shine through Harvest and Our House Church. That, that's why today's sermon title was In It, Not Of It. Because we live in this world as Christ described. But we are not of this world. I pray that gates of Hades shall not overcome our church. That each of you will share the love of God with the other neighbors. And that your relationship will be a reflection of Christ Jesus. God may add it to their member daily, those who are being saved. Amen. Please join me in a message of response prayer. You know, we all have a different picture of a church in our mind, right? We often focus on what the church can do for me. Church have a good children's ministry? Is that parking lot big? Does the AC working well? Are they people who acknowledge me? Does a pastor sermon align with my belief? Does a pastor sermon make me feel good? If these standards define your faith, our church is not church of Christ. Our church harvest must be testified of Jesus' design of the church. Our lives must, our lives must be a reflection of Jesus. And they bring life to people who don't know Christ. Let us reflect on today's message and ask how this applied to me. How applied to my relationship. Who will be with me all the time? Does my life and my relationship reflect Jesus? Loving God and loving our neighbor. We hear that. But what does that mean to me? Because Jesus loved us first, we intentionally make a decision to share the love with my neighbor. Allow the Holy Spirit to shine His light in your heart today. Look for Jesus in your life, in your relationship, in your thoughts. As believers, we need to follow Jesus, living our life according to His standards, not mine. Choose your neighbors according to Jesus' defined neighbors. Serve them, love them, bring them to Christ. Think of a one person's name. If you don't have a name, pray, God, I want to see that person. If you think about that name, then serve him, love him. Let us pray. Abhijay.
Father God, I thank you for raising Harvest up to be your faithful church. I pray that you will guide Harvest to be a stronghold of faith where the gates of Hades cannot overcome it. I pray that our lives be filled with the testimony of your love and filled with your joy from bringing Christ to others. We pray that more and more lives come to know Jesus, that those outsiders of the church praise and stand in awe as we share how you answered our prayers. Let us not be a bystander, but be active in serving, loving, sharing, and testifying of your love. We pray that you guide Pastor D.L. during his sabbatical, that he is renewed and refreshed, that he comes back to share his wisdom he has gained with us. I pray for your plans to be carried out through harvest. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.